to the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about Folk Moot uh, USA, and, uh, and we're meeting with the executive director, Evan Hatch. But first, a few uh, sponsor message and some events coming up. I want you to imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain Adventure starts with where you stay. Another sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. That's Smokies, plural, adventure singular. The Smoky Mountains and surrounding area is a vacation destination for all seasons. Some of the nation's best hiking trails, waterfalls, outdoor adventures, and family entertainment can be found right here. Start your adventure by using SmokiesAdventure.com to explore all the wonderful features of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. The trails, the waterfalls, the Cades Cove and the Elk and more. Then check out all the awesome family attractions and entertainment you and your entire family can enjoy. Find lodging, find places to stay, find places to eat. Find where you can do outdoor life events like weddings and honeymoons. It's all at thesmokiesadventure.com, which is the leading information portal for adventures and experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains. So events coming up at the Meadowlark on uh, on this coming Saturday, July 23rd at 6 p.m., we're having Smoky Blue Rain. It's a trio of Len Graham, Phil Moore, and Amos Jackson. Their brand of Americana music is, is an infectious blend of folk, light rock, blues, jazz, and a touch of traditional country. Uh, they met through a future friend, and, the, and their first wrote, note realized that they had something special. So come on over to the Metal Arc Motel. There's also a barbecue and uh, and uh, and other fine uh, uh, things to enjoy uh, starting at 6 p.m. And the mission is free for motel guests and Heritage Club members. And it's just $10 for everybody else. Uh, so RSVP is required for the barbecue dinner. So call 828-926-1717 for tickets. And come enjoy some food and barbecue. Now, um, some of you might know that there was a recently a um, a uh, viral event on TikTok where uh, uh, a clogger from Western North Carolina, specifically specifically down on Jonathan Creek here in Haywood County, went viral and got seen by like a hundred million people. His name's Zeb, and he's part of the Jay Creek Cloggers. And so they're coming to the Metal Arc Motel on July thirtieth at seven thirty p.m. Um, and we're going to have, um, it's a great mountain heritage event put on by the Metal Arc Smoky Mountain Heritage Center and also include an evening, a dinner and dancing. Um, it begins with the, the barbecue at six and then 
the performance of the Jay Creek Cloggers at 7.30, and that's and that's uh, includes music. Uh, they will perform a bunch of uh, examples of tra- traditional mountain dancing, as well as teaching the audience several fun dance steps. So it's going to be uh, uh, co- uh, an interactive performance where everybody will get to dance. Um, and then there'll be also be a short talk by Kim Ross, who was on the show here a few weeks ago, uh, on the history and traditions of mountain dancing. So grab your, grab your partner and come on by. Admission is free for hotel guests and Heritage Club members. And it's 20 bucks for people uh, that are not staying in the hotel. Just call 828-926-1717 to reserve your spot. And then a big event we got coming up August 12th through the 13th is a songwriters camp. And this is a this is a serious one. This is Grammy Award winning songwriters. You got Jim Lauderdale, who's written uh, hits, many of George Strait's hits. Uh, he wrote that song, King of the Broken Hearts. And then you got Charles Humphrey III, who's another Grammy Award winner, along with uh, uh, award winning artists such as, uh, as um, Darren Nicholson, uh, Clay Mills, and Charles Chamberson. Uh, and you know, Darren Nicholson is one of the main one of the main musicians in uh, Balsam Range who's big around this part. So it's going to be a fantastic event. It's going to be a two day event of interactive songwriting instruction. So there'll be both panels, but there'll also be working individually with all the artists and uh, with world class musicians. And they'll then you'll get a demo to tape produced of one of your songs. Um, there'll also be a concert on the Friday night for, uh, by the Songs from the Road Band, um, which is Charles Humphrey's band, and then a barbecue dinner, an all-star concert with all those artists on Saturday night. This is a unique event like no other, and space will be limited to ensure that everybody gets attention. So the songwriter camp is six seven seventy-five dollars a person. Uh, includes all the activities and, and demo tape and everything else. And you also can uh, get yourself a room with, uh, at the Metal Arc Motel if you're coming from out of town. Uh, and it also includes dinner and breakfast and things like that. Um, if, there's also a limited number of tickets available for just coming to the concerts either on Friday or Saturday night. So call 828-926-1717 to get your uh, ticket and then reserve your space. Um, Somebody who knows a lot about events now uh, is uh, our guest tonight. Uh, his name is Avon Hatch. He's an export, expert folklorist with almost two, gate, two decades of experience as a Grammy award-winning record producer, event production coordinator, vernacular artist, documentary filmmaker, and recorder of oral history, as well, as well as holding high-level management experience with some of the most prestigious cultural organizations in the Southeast. Hatches, uh, Evan Hatch is currently the executive director of one of the oldest and most popular educational centers and festivals in the Southeast, Folk Movement, with headquarters right here in Haywood County at Waynesville, North Carolina. He holds, holds degrees in, uh, from both UNC and Ole Miss and resides in Waynesville, where he enjoys cooking, camping, photography, and uh, reading in his limited spare time. I don't know how he has any spare time. How are you doing, Evan? I'm good, Joseph. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for making me sound so good. Ah, uh, listen, when, I, when you do accomplishments, it doesn't take much to make you sound good because you are good. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you've only been here for three and a half weeks. So welcome to Haywood County, right? Thank you. Three and a half months, but it has three and a half, three and a half weeks. Uh, yeah, it is flown okay. by, my man. It is flown right, by. Well. Well, I'm, I'm I'm so excited that you got a, you know this new job. Folk book sounds like you're going to do some great things. 
but first I want to talk a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, you've worked both in North Carolina and Tennessee. Where are you originally from? I'm actually from North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. Um, Graham, North Carolina is my, my hometown. And, uh, I was raised there from, let's say, 1980 until 2000, you know. And so uh, I was born in California, actually, but moved around. My dad was in the military for a little while, and then he retired, and we, uh, we settled down in, a, in small town North Carolina. Graham, right down uh, in the triad. In the triad, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. spent a number of years in the, the Durham, Wake Forest, uh, Durham, Raleigh, Raleigh, Durham area. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the middle of the state is also a lovely place. Um, yeah, I'm about 20 minutes from there. But yes, I spent a lot of time there myself. Yeah. Yeah. Grew um, up, did a lot of growing up. <laughs> How did your love for folklore, cultural history, and music begin? And, uh, Good question, man. And, you know, sometimes I've asked myself that uh, over and over and over again. You know, I would say um, I went, I started college a little bit too early and uh, I had too good of a time uh, in my first couple of years. Um, After I decided to kind of get serious, I went back to school uh, in 1996 and I started taking classes um, in what my parents said, just, just, try stuff, find out what you like, see what you enjoy. And I started taking classes in folklore and American studies. And I found that I really enjoyed these classes because my teachers were brilliant. They were so smart and they were so entertaining. And they had had just like, they got to study things that I just thought were super cool. You know, I had one teacher who was an expert on Coney Island in the 19 19- you know, in the heyday in the 1890s through the 1920s. I had, uh, yeah, another professor, um, Robert Cantwell, who wrote a book called Ethnomimesis and also wrote about a bluegrass breakdown. So these books, although very academic and above my head, uh, it was just cool to be able to study, you know, uh, stuff that I thought that, you know, the, the common, the everyday, the things that surround us all the time. And the history of, of the folk, you know, I find that to be really, really fascinating. I, um, you know, it's, it's hard to look at. It's not really a correct way of looking at it. But if you look at uh, culture, say, and you want to look at it through the, the, the lenses of, uh, of music, you got, you know, your high culture, which is very, you know, very respected and, and academic. And if you're looking at music, you can say that's a symphony. Um, if you're looking at pop music, you could say, well, that's uh, Lady Gaga or uh, and then you could start looking at uh, folk music and it's, you know, it's traditional fiddle. It's that's what, you know, people have been playing for years and years for fun and and for living and for, you know, and just to be uh, bearers of culture. And I just find that stuff absolutely fascinating. It often seemed that people respected high culture more. And that uh, there was some sort of inherent coolness and uh, outsider kind of look at, at folk culture. And I, oh, would you say, would you say high culture is actually uh, is, is uh, more of a uh, just a fashion choice than it necessarily is a quality choice? I mean, I think a lot of folk, oh, absolutely, music, a lot of folk, uh, what we would consider folk entertainment is actually high quality. But it's, you know, the fashion is, you know, uh, gen- 
driven by you know decisions and not necessarily even out in the the nature of the the music and the and the, the oh, yeah. arts things like that right yeah, totally joseph and, and that stuff combines right you think of aaron copeland the great american composer he was writing about american folk subjects you think of Richard Wagner, who wrote the Ride of the Valkyries. Um, he's a, he wrote a symphony, but he wrote it about a German folk tale. So all this stuff's yeah. all intertwined and you know informs one another. All right. Well, we got we got, we're hitting our first break already. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I talk I, I, t- I talk too much, but uh, uh, so we will come back and we'll talk more about your background and get into some of the stuff you're doing today too. That sounds great. Thanks, Joseph. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Evan Hatch. So, Evan, so you... uh, you uh, ended up graduating from Carolina and then obtained your master's at Ole Miss. And then you had a, had a successful uh, two-decade career that's actually spanned a, a lot of variety of interesting fields. And hopefully we'll get into a little bit of that. But the one that jumped out to me, you know, uh, being an artist and, uh, and performer myself, is that you, uh, you were involved with Spring-Fed Records and you won a Grammy Award for producing an album with them. So tell me about the Springfed Re- Re- Records and how you became involved and what was the Grammy Award for? Uh, moved to Tennessee in 2002 and we started a record label um, over at the Arts Center of Cannon County. Uh, the idea was to highlight some of the uh, hillbilly music that was the uh, proto-country that led to the, the beginnings of bluegrass music and, uh, and old-time music. So uh, we took a lot of historical recordings that were in archives, stuff that hadn't been heard except by, you know, musicologists or people who recorded them in years and worked closely with the families to reissue those recordings, cleaned them up on audio, offered really strong liner notes so that people could kind of understand the history of the recordings. Uh, the first thing we did was Uncle Dave Macon at home. He was the uh, the king of the hillbillies. He was the first superstar of the Grand Ole Opry uh, and one of the greatest entertainers of ever uh, of country music. Uh, we also did a really strong recording with uh, Sam, of Sam and Kirk McGee, who were um, co-conspirators or co-creators with Uncle Dave Macon and one of the first uh, brother duos on the Grand Ole Opry. And all those guys, they understood showmanship, you know, kind of, and that still goes through. Um, that still goes through country music today, that kind of joking and uh, the costume wearing and, and uh, you know, people really engaging with the audience as entertainers. You also, uh, you also you had the legendary bluesman John Hurt on there, wasn't it? Didn't you? That's correct, yeah. yes. And that was actually a recording that was made in 63, uh, wow. long after John Hurt had finished his, um, his recording career. And this crazy dude from uh, named Bob Hoskins, excuse me, Tom Hoskins, drove all the way down from uh, Washington, D.C., and he was going to go pay his respect at John Hurt's gravesite. And when he found up, wound up in Avalon, Mississippi, he found Mr. Hurt still very much alive. Put his guitar <laughs> in his hand and hit record, and that is those recordings from 63. From that, John Hurt says, wow, I can have a chance at a second career. Went back and uh, started playing folk festivals. That's fabulous. Okay. Yeah. 
It was pretty neat. We were lucky to do that, work with a family. And did you have uh, other iconic black, you had other iconic black artists on there, right? Yeah. So uh, the one that we won the Grammy for is called John Work Three, recording uh, black culture. John Work the Third was a uh, classically trained uh, composer. Um, but at the same time, this is the 1930s and 1940s. He worked at Fisk University. He also really appreciated folk music. And the brilliant thing about John Work is that um, he was a, like a trans- classically trained composer. So he could hear music and then write it down, write it down in notation. So it didn't have to be recorded, but he could write it down. So he did all these studies of, uh, of folk music and he recorded Frazier and Patterson. He's a black string band, country string band in Nashville. He recorded blues music in Georgia and sacred harp singing in Northern Alabama, just stuff that people no one ever heard about. He then came to be known, um, uh, he was picked up, uh, befriended by Alan Lomax, who some of your, your viewers will probably know, they're great folklorist. And together they recorded um, a Coahoma County study in Mississippi. And the center of that study was a gentleman named McKinley Morganfield, um, who was later known as Muddy Waters. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so Muddy... Wow, uh, basically, you know, yeah. was very flattered to be recorded by these gentlemen. He said, well, if these guys want to hear me. Maybe I'll go up to Chicago and become Muddy Waters. And that's what he did. So uh, that was a 1942 recording uh, wow. that was made. That was some of the, and all those recordings were John Works. And so we reissued those, cleaned up the uh, sound recordings and um, did some really extensive liner notes. Bruce Nimero that wrote those and that's, what we won that Grammy for was a uh, best liner notes, best album. What, notes. What, what year did you win the Grammy? Oh, wait, 2008, I guess you could say. All right. Yeah. So, uh, don't know. All, I don't have all your career miles, milestones in chronological order, but you had, uh, you were an assistant director of an organization called black and global roots. Can you tell me about that? that sounds That's correct. Uh, yeah. yes, sir. I worked with, uh, Dr. CC Conway. Uh, CC is, uh, she's a professor at, Appalachian State and is one of the leading experts on um, uh, the banjo and black culture. And so she actually was one of the first people to trace those roots of the, uh, the banjo as it came over from Africa and started to influence um, American music. Uh, actually, she is, uh, I think, probably the most, most singular for putting together the Carolina Chocolate Drops. So she uh, uh, hosted them at the um, a black banjo gathering at Appalachian State a few years ago and kind of put them all together and uh, they went off to become, uh, you know, Carolina Chocolate Drops. Uh, so what she wanted to do, what Dr. Conway wants to do is to um, give venues and give audiences to underrepresented uh, folk performers. So, so she would, uh, we would be playing concerts and being able to pay working artists um, to give them an audience they wouldn't usually hear. And that ranged from blues to uh, Cajun Zydeco to um, uh, country music, uh, but mostly from underrepresented artists. Yeah. Wow. And that was a well, chapel. Wasn't, wasn't uh, the introduction of the banjo really brought a percussive element to, uh, say, a Scotch Irish ballad during and uh, really created bluegrass? Oh, I'd say so. I mean, I know that Bill Monroe, who created Bluegrass, has uh, definitely learned every a lot that he learned from Black musicians, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I think that's the coolest thing about musicians, right, is that they are kind of the first anti-racist. They don't care what color you are. They don't care where you're from. As long as you can play music, you speak a common language, and that gets mm-hmm. past a lot of stuff, you know? 
Oh yeah. So um, yeah, I I was looking at and you. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and you have been until you know you ever had a company called Narrate. What is Narrate? Well, uh, that was a probably ill-conceived business that I started during uh, during COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, what better time to create a business that's ill-conceived? It seems like everybody did it, though, right? Uh, yeah. Every every feeble-minded person I know started a business during COVID. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's been a really great- uh, COVID was uh, where my business went to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we had lots of time. And, and uh, yeah. essentially it's oral history business. So families uh, or people hire me to do extensive interviews with their loved ones so that wow. those interviews, while they're, are well-researched and, uh, you know, and, and, and deeply conducted, then- by doing that interview and uh, recording that and essentially gives the, uh, the, the legacy to the family so that they can hold on to those recordings of somebody, you know, a loved one before they pass away. And the idea came, you know, there's everybody always has a story about, I wish I had listened to my grandmother. I wish I had saved her last storytelling, or I wish I'd saved that last phone message. And if you don't, it's too late and it happens to yeah. everybody. So Try not to make it too late. No, I, uh, I I have felt that, you know, I, I recorded, I did videotapes of my grandmother and her brother, you know, just a year or so before she died, you know, because I, I, I've I've always felt that need, you know? Yeah. I'm uh, glad you did it. I'm glad you did it because everybody's got a story to tell, man. Everybody's got knowledge to pass on. Now, I, I don't know this term, Bob, you know, plot who you know, works with me, you know, yeah. has put together some information. He said, this is called vernacular art. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. I think that term to me, you know, because the vernacular is a, is, a, is a way of speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what this artwork does is it, uh, you know, it puts it in a community, it puts it in a place, but it also, it's how, it's how, it's a common language that people share and that's communicated. So yeah, I think vernacular artwork's fair and good way to describe it. Now, you know, the more I look at your, 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 your history, you've just done a lot of things. I mean, uh, you were also been an event festival director and coordinator. um, Right. And then you created a documentary film on Southern music. What was that? Um. Well, let me see. I I did a couple of, uh, we did do a couple of documentaries um, and just, I think your viewers might like it. If I could plug, um, uh, there's this great website called folkstreams.net. Oh, interesting. The best collection of folk documentaries made from the 1950s forward. And they're all available for free just for streaming on that website. You will find the coolest vernacular art forms on there anything from music to basketry to um you know pottery to uh dance you know so all that stuff really is covered very well um a couple of music documentaries that we made were uh, they were again those reissues so one my favorite i guess was raw mash and that was a uh Saul, Saul Kareen and Blaine Dunlap had produced in the 1970s a portrait, essentially a video portrait of Hamper McBee, who is Tennessee's popcorn Sutton. 
uh, essentially. He was like the greatest moonshiner, the most famous moonshiner uh, in Tennessee history, not to mention a fine ballad singer. He was a great roaring baritone acapella ballad singer. And that movie, Raw Mash, which is available on folk streams, uh, is basically a 30-minute portrait of Hamper, but also how to make moonshine from start to finish. Wow. Pretty fun stuff. That sounds good. Thank you for the reference for that. I'm I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going go to go to that site and start uh, indulging my uh, my new passion for vernacular art. The <laughs> deep dive. The I hope you like it. Yeah, and you've done a lot of festivals. You did the local fest in, in Hillsboro and some others. What what is the what is the most notable or fun festival that you helped uh, originate or develop? Oh man, it was a, it was a total failure. Um, but it was the best festival I ever did. It was uh, the National Folk Festival in Nashville, Tennessee. And we didn't have a lot of people. We did it on Labor Day weekend. Not a great idea. Uh, Nashville's a free music town. So not everybody came out to it because you can see, you know, you can see free music everywhere in Nashville. But the content was amazing. And we did the history of the music business. So we had tour buses. We had Flat and Scruggs tour bus that people could tour. We had a modern tour bus. We had hair cutters and hat show prints, uh, costume makers like Manuel was out there. It was an amazing show. Wow. Really well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm impressed. And uh, what I want to do now is take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about uh, your new position and what you're doing with the folk booth in North Carolina. Okay. Would count. Thanks, Joseph. Sounds good. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Evan Hatch. So, Evan, we've been talking about your career and some of the things we didn't get into, but they're incredible is that you were a director of programming at a folk art center in Tennessee, and then you were the director of programming for a prestigious organization like the North Carolina Folk Life Institute. But what's exciting to me and, 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 and those of us around the gateway, the Smokies, is that you're now uh, taking on a new role as the executive director of Folk Folk. I'm sure you're excited about that. Um, and, and for the sake of our, our, our audience who may not know about it, can you tell us what folk mood, folk mood is? Yeah, you know, um, I feel challenged by this task because there are so many people in this in this county, in Hayward County, who know so much more than I ever will about it. And because I've taken this job on three months ago, um, it's become my job to talk about it. Uh, my understanding of folk moot is that it is a festival that's been around for 38 years, and the organization has been around uh, close to 50. And a gentleman named um, Dr. Border, um, who was a, a surgeon here in Haywood County, uh, was a great lover of folk music and uh, took some trips to Europe and experienced some folk festivals, like the old English folk festivals. Uh, which were also named folk moot over there. And then uh, folk moot is an old English uh, term for a meeting of the folk. So essentially it means folk meet. That's where people come together. They exchange ideas. They exchange culture and dance and music. Uh, 
uh, probably some beer too. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, uh, so after seeing that, he realized, Dr. Border realized that it's not that dissimilar from what's going on here in, uh, you know, in the Great Smoky Mountains. There are people who play music, who get together, who share this dance through, you know, uh, folk uh, uh, culture. They, they get together, they sing on front porches, uh, they practice religion together, they dance together. And he thought that this was the parallels between English culture, European culture, and other folk cultures around the world was just all the same. And so it was a great opportunity to get all these folks together um, to, um, you know, to do this, to bring the world to Main Street in uh, Waynesville. So 1984 was the first festival. He had uh, six, seven groups, I think, from around the world, Europe, uh, Asia, Africa, and South America, uh, who came here, um, you know, stayed with local audience, stayed with um, local audience members um, and got together and danced for one another. And they all realized, well, stuff's all in the folk. We all experience this. It's not that different. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter um, what language you speak. There's things that cross all that. And that's the coolest thing about folk culture. I was, you know, I got to see that, you know, one of those, I think, I think in the first year back then, you know, I, I loved food for many years. Yeah. I, I was just yeah. I was just graduating from Duke and coming back and got to you know experience it before I uh, had to head off to uh, my career. Oh uh, man, you know more than I do. That's well, cool. You grew up with it too, huh? I, I grew up with it. Yeah. So I, I mean, now I mean, I think back then it was just in uh, in Haywood County, right? And it was, right. I think I think it was at the Stomping Grounds, right? The first few. Um, yeah. Exactly. Historic, yeah. yeah. The Stomping Grounds is historic for uh, for yeah. folk performances. And a, yeah, so it started out the Stomping Ground, which is about you know about uh, three quarters, of, you know, uh, less than half a mile away from the metal arc where I'm sitting right now. So yeah. it was easy for me just to walk up there and go to it, right? <laughs> um, but now, what is it? It's in cities all over the Smoky Regions, and as far east as Hickory, is that still the truth? The, the case? Uh, a little bit's changed. Um, as you may know, COVID changed everything. And um, so the festivals of the past, uh, the idea was to bring dancers from around the world, to bring them to Waynesville as a central point, and then to take that, cult- that cultural gathering and spread it out, you know, Hickory, you know, even down in the South Carolina, but all, you know, uh, counties all around uh, North Carolina and uh, Tennessee and uh, and those things. So uh, it's gotten hard to bring in international groups, especially since COVID. Um, and so the festival over the years became smaller just by, you know, by necessity. So this year we're focusing strictly on Haywood County uh, and a lot in Maggie Valley. So half of the festival is going to be down here in, uh, in Waynesville, downtown, and also at the Folk Loop Friendship Center in Hazelwood. And then the other two uh, performances are going to be at the Maggie Valley Festival Ground, which is probably another half a mile away from the Stomping Grounds. Beautiful yeah, space. We're just out there today. Well, yeah, they're actually very close to each other. We're 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 only a half mile from the the, the festival ground, so we're all in with you guys on that. <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to hear uh, it. Yeah, yeah well, you 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 got a staging ground here if you want to take advantage of it. Uh, 
Yeah, or even or we got a nice little pavilion for small precursor shows. <laughs> That's a great idea. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm always a big believer in creating taste before you create something uh, new, the big one, because it gets people all involved and stuff like that. But uh, exactly, it, this must be a logistics nightmare because you bring in all these people from all over the world and you have to house them. Uh, how how do you manage all that? So again, this year wasn't too hard. Uh, well, it is a it no, it's it's a logistical nightmare. Uh, that's fair. I think I have it easier than a lot of the festivals in the past, and the fact that we don't have it's a lot of international yeah. international groups this year, so we haven't had to get folks uh, help with visas or anything like that. We have international groups from within the U.S. So we've got an Irish group coming from Chicago. We've got a Venezuelan group coming from Miami. We have. Uh, um, a uh, Ukrainian group, Proman, they're going to be driving down from uh, Wisconsin. All authentic, you know, of their country, but people who are just living here in the U.S. now and practicing it. Um, we also are going to be running a big old hotel that weekend. We have a lot of people staying with us at the Folk Mood Friendship Center. Oh, that's right. You guys have a big old building there, right? So mm-hmm. you can set up some campground sort of thing in there, right? Yeah. Yep. We've actually got some bunks, um, probably a little better than Army style. Uh, we also got a great big cafeteria here. We're going to be feeding everybody, um, trying to use local produce, um, local food, make sure that everybody gets good, healthy meals before they go out and, uh, and dance and perform. So. All right. Uh, yeah, everybody's cool. staying here. It's going to be a hoot nanny. Well, when you go international again, I'm going to put in a plug for my wife. She has a travel agency, and they do all that visa stuff. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. They There's a partner have, right there. That's great. They have services that just do that all. That's all they do is manage that. Uh, the story I tell is that when we first got together, we wanted to go to um, – all of a sudden, we decided, like, at the beginning of the week, we wanted to go down to – Car- uh, to uh, to uh, Mardi Gras. Well, essentially Mardi Gras. It's called uh, it's called uh, a carnival in uh, yeah, Trinidad, in right? Where she's from? Oh, in Trinidad. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and turns out my 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 passport is expired, but she arranged everything, and, and within three days, I got everything. I was and I, and I within you know from the moment of the decision mm-hmm. until being on the plane going down there was three days. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> things can be done. Credit. But uh, let's let's talk about, uh, and we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in funding. You're a nonprofit, but this has to be costly. Where's your funding coming from? Well, Folk Boots got a. You know, the organization's changed over uh, over time, and one of the things that I am very proud of. Um, and I've grown up in this. You don't see too many nonprofits that are entrepreneurial um, or as entrepreneurial as we are. So that's how I learned a long time ago that nonprofits need to generate income to survive. They're a business just like any other business. Uh, so some things that we're doing here at the Folk Mood Friendship Center, um, which is a 40,000 square foot historic school dating to 1935, built by the WPA. Thank you, Roosevelt. Um, We uh, have uh, we have a large selection of school rooms, former classrooms that are being rented out by some very talented artists. So we have really great rates um, where people can come in, rent the space, use it as a gallery 
but also use it as a um, as a as a workspace, a, a workshop, if you will. So we've got weavers, painters, uh, we have uh, glass artists, um, costumers, and and jewelers who rent space here, and that helps to bring an in income for us to keep this building. And don't you ever, I mean, when I, I've got a tour of that place a, you know, a couple of years ago, and they were going to put in a huge coffee shop. There was somebody going to do that. Did that happen? Or did no, COVID kill that? COVID killed oh, that. Right? I have no idea what happened. It sounds like a good idea to oh, me. Oh, they were going to, they had plans. It was, uh, there had been some renovations. They were going to put in this like big coffee, st- you know, shop. It looked, it was going to be really interesting. Or something. There's a, there's some place there that's a big open space, probably the previous cafeteria. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So it was, and, it um, sounded exciting. Yeah. Well, another cool thing about it is one of our renters is the SOAR Academy which is an experiential outdoor education group, similar to, say, an Outward Bound. Uh, but actually, that school is based here at Folk Moot Friendship Center. So half of our building is a school nine months out of the year um, for kids who are, you know, um, uh, benefit from outside of classroom educational. So they're all out in the woods learning survival and, you know, learning how to cook for themselves and learning how to, you know, to go to Costa Rica and speak Spanish and experiential education is where it's at, you know, a really great program that they're here too. And they use our cafeteria. So that's the problem is that that's why we don't have a coffee shop is they use that. To actually <laughs> I see. But they're well, great. You, know, uh, you got a lot of wonderful stuff going on. And, you know, um, one of the things that I do is I've uh, become something of an expert in memorable tourism experiences. And that's how I've, uh, you know, I've tripled you know the size of the the Metal Arc Motel and what we're doing, you know, focusing on that. Which is, how do you how do you stimulate flashbulb flashbulb memories in people so that they keep coming back and it creates brand loyalty and revisit intention? There's a whole part of that academic study is about cultural and heritage tr- tourism, which I think you should be aware of because there is a way to really trigger that to bring people back again and again and again and i'm gonna send that to you because i think what you're doing it's it's actually perfect um so sounds like another partnership yeah well hey hey, i'm always looking for the angle you know what i mean (laughs) we got to um so we got to take another break and then we'll come back and finish up with you know things that you might want to talk about things that you've learned about western north carolina while you've been here Cool, man. Thank you, Joseph. Sounds good. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Evan Hatch. So, Evan, um talk about uh you, you're just getting your feet underneath you three months three and a half months into your new position but can you become the great prognosticator and tell me what's going to happen in the rest of this year and in 2023 and beyond have you been able to form a vision of the future of the folk boot uh that's a great question uh you know as far as vision I have to defer to the board of directors on that. They set the vision for the organization and they've done a great thing. And that is to make this center, the Folk Mood Friendship Center, an inclusive organization 
um, for the arts and cultural exchange. It's simple. Um, not simple. Well, it's simple, but it's not easy. Uh, one, so several ways that we're going to be doing that um, by making the Folk Moot uh, Summerfest a smaller festival, then that's going to enable us to do some different kinds of programming in the fall and the spring. So we can do other short, smaller festivals uh, with different themes. Could be beer, could be food, it could be... Um, uh, it could be strictly dance. It could be, you know, any number of things. Uh, any ideas, I'm happy to hear about. In addition, we've got the, um, uh, we have monthly concerts through Folk Moot Live. And those are here at the uh, Queen Auditorium, 235-seat theater right here at Folk Moot Friendship Center. Actually, we've been working with a friend of yours, Mr. Bob Plot, to put together Mountain Memories, which are themed shows where uh, storytellers and musicians come together and explore, um, you know, tributes to past musicians or, you know, themes such as, you know, could be the Civil War history or food or anything. But really great idea that came from Bob Plott and, uh, and Mike McClain. Really, really strong stuff. Um, I know that August is going to be really busy. I've got an incredible Ethiopian string band coming in September 3rd. Um, that are not to be fooled with. Their name is Kwankwa. Uh, we have a uh, country music songwriters uh, night. It's going to be on, um, I think, August 23rd. Uh, forgive me, I may not have that date right, but uh, all, those, uh, all those things are going to be lined up. Uh, we're going to be doing some great holiday performances. It's basically stay busy. Um, keep the lights on, keep the money coming in, and then write grants for special projects that, you know, that we really want to see happen. It's just staying busy. It's like that duck, you know, it doesn't look busy on the top, but underneath he's paddling hard. Oh, I mean, you, you've got, I mean, you've got a beautiful facility and I mean, and you got a great history and uh, you know, I know that uh, there's been some cutbacks and, you know, you know, in certain political organizations here in, in the, in the in the area but um i'm i'm 100 behind building you know helping you guys build that up because it's a great cultural resource that people should get the opportunity to take advantage of it you know yeah. and uh, i'm 100 behind you i think it's a, a fabulous thing um, you got a great thing going too man hey listen yeah oh the middle arc is yeah it's it's about you know celebrating the mountain heritage and uh creating memories for people you know and uh you know and starting adventures and uh but uh, you know i'm an artist as well as a businessman so. i didn't know that oh yeah i i actually you know this if you, you come do? to this if you come to the speakeasy uh mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of my artwork on the walls my early artwork from when i was a student there's a lot of uh you know, because it's a speakeasy, there's a lot of nudes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, but that You're a painter. Uh, you paint? I, I originally was a painter, but you know where I got you know, some known, I, I created, I created online, I created online performance art where you physically an, interact with the computer and, and, and doing it. And I'm actually in some museums for that. Oh, uh, man, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, back in the, oddies late 90s and oddies doing that it was great i got a lot of attention but it didn't make a bit of money because nobody knew how to buy a digital performance thing so i ended up becoming a businessman uh but i still do a lot of uh, interesting art and stuff like that but it's now an ab it's an avocation not a vocation exactly. uh 
My vocation that's was marketing. What I thought, uh, that's, what, that's what I thought folklore was too. Essentially, I uh, try to make a living out of what other people consider a hobby. So uh, it may not be the smartest thing in the world, but I think hey. I think we're content. Well, I think I think you know I think that cultural and cultural institutions and hospitality has shared a thing where you can actually express your creativity, right, and the things that you're interested in. You know, so I'm expressing my creativity through the hospitality, you know, in terms of how you design the rooms, how you design the, you know, the thing, the amenities and things you're giving people. So, you know, so you've been here, uh, you know, in in Haywood County now for about three months. And uh, yeah. besides folk moot, what's your, what's your, what's your favorite, uh, somebody coming visit here, what you, what do you recommend them go do or go eat or something that you think is a good tip for somebody new coming here? Man, um, shameless self-promotion, huh? I, I love Papa's and Beers. Great, great Mexican food. I first had in Asheville. Amazing stuff. The uh, Maggie's Galley, I've been there. I can't stop myself. I keep going back and eating their fresh seafood. That's a good seafood place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. great. And, uh, of course, the Haywood County Smokehouse. Haywood Smokehouse is a remarkably good place uh, as well. Um you know, I would say sit on a porch somewhere and watch the sunset. It's probably the best thing you can do in this county, um, you know, and or get up really early and have some coffee and watch the sun rise. You get either one you want here. And that's yeah. probably been my favorite, uh, my favorite thing to do since I've been here. Just uh, cool. just sit down and take a breath. <laughs> the, yeah. the relaxation, the be able to sit back and just enjoy the natural beauty here. People love that. I mean, a lot of people, you know, we have a, we have a lot of front porches here, right? Because we're, we're classically a motel. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of people just come just to sit out and have a party on the stoop. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, and just look at the mountain, talk with friends mm-hmm. and sit in rocking chairs and enjoy the, uh, that, that country, country living at its finest, you know? You're right. Man. Uh, that's the folk gathering spot, the stoop or the porch. That's where the oh, folk yeah. gather anyway and share. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, growing up, that was it. You know, the covered porch out front with rocking chairs. Sometimes people would couch put a couch out there mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and enjoy life. So, um, is there some shout outs, some some things you want to recognize, or ways you want people to look you up or look at what you're doing, or what what uh, what's some what's some things that people can find out more information? Well. If you want to get to know your future ancestors, I would um, definitely talk about going to my website, Narrate Project, which is a business I'm still running and still love to do. Uh, just this week, I interviewed a, a former provost at the University of North Carolina. He's lived an absolutely fascinating life. And just getting able to talk to people and learn about them, I tell you, there's wisdom all around, folks. It surrounds everybody. And... Um, it's a great way to get to know your people. Um, shout out. Uh, we love Orchard Coffee downtown, um, uh, run by one of our board members, Cobble Tice. Um, good folks down there wanted to say hello. Um, all the people I've met, you know, uh, in this area, I guess, uh, you know, Bob Plot being one of them, a gentleman and a scholar, and, uh, you know, really good, uh, as you know, good gentleman to work with. I guess my biggest shout out would be to the staff here at Folk Moot USA. 
Beth Harvey, Mike McLean, Jody Nichols, Vivian Pappas, and Brett Pinkston, all who are just incredible, um, incredible people to work with. And, and what's, so that, what's, that, what's the website for Pokemoot, by the way? Pokemoot.org. Okay. So and it's got Facebook, Facebook page too? Yeah, there's Facebook. I'm not a social media person. I'm sorry. But yeah, there's definitely, you can search Facebook and hit Folkmoot, maybe Folkmoot USA. Uh, all that stuff on social media is fantastic. Uh, and that's all because of Beth Harvey and the work that she does. So, you know, it helps to be surrounded by people who are smart, engaged, engaging, and um, dedicated, you know, really helpful. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. And we should definitely have more conversations after this. Uh, I like that, Jason. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, this uh, podcast is on is uh, is on the talkradio.nyc network, which is a live network of uh, podcasts. I recommend yeah. you take a look at it. Uh, everybody take a look at it and uh, find some. There's small business. There's all sorts of things. Uh, it's also uh, streamed live on Facebook at facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast. Great. Uh, and uh, it's the, all the old, all the episodes are, are on um, smokiesadventure.com. You'll find a link at the top of to the gateway to the Smokies podcast. And you will also see the transcripts and other related information there on each of the different episodes. Um, I actually run another podcast on this network called Wise Content Creates Wealth, which is about AI and marketing and things like that. If you if you if you like that, that's on Fridays from noon until one. But this podcast is every Tuesday from uh, six to seven. And I look forward to seeing you next week. And everybody, bye bye. Goodbye. Thank you. <music>